Well, good afternoon and a warm welcome to you all. Meditation is truly an enlightening experience over this season of goodwill when many traditionally celebrate the birth of Christ. We cannot fail to contrast the celebration of the birth of Christ in Capricorn with the image we have seen on TV of the manger scene in Bethlehem, bereft of joy and incorporating rubble in homage to the many children whose lives have been lost in the ongoing conflict. Nevertheless, as the significance of these full moon festivals grows in our consciousness, we are aware that the result of all the inpouring energies on the consciousness of humanity is light. And we will be meditating with the lighted energies of the sun, the first ray of will, and the seventh ray of ceremonial order, strengthened by the keynote of the disciple in Capricorn. Lost am I in light supernal, yet on that light I turn my back. In a letter to one of his disciples, the Tibetan wrote, In the daily round of duties and of detail comes for you the opportunity to transfigure life in terms of accomplishment. For true accomplishment involves a life of steady radiance and stable, uniform activity. But in this activity and general accomplishment, there must come, as the years go by, what I might call crises of achievement. And these must be culminating moments when the uniform activity climaxes into hours of dynamic crisis. Then one cycle of work ends in some direction or another, and a new cycle of activity commences in the same place and within the limits of the same general endeavor. And this is consciously recognized as a new beginning. So unless such moments of crisis occur, the life simmers down to a general dead level, and even if useful, offers not the chance for an extreme effort with its consequent need to draw upon the full resources of the soul. These words encapsulate the spirit of the disciples' endeavor in Capricorn, the steady work of radiating light throughout the daily tasks, as well as moments of dynamic crisis when new light is entered and precipitated throughout the personality vehicles. The transfiguration of life can only occur when the inner and the outer are woven together when ideas contacted in meditation are seen right through to the stage of expression in the everyday life. And they don't have to be big ideas. In fact, meditation is more a sequence of little ideas that make their way down through the mind into the etheric body to be stored and released with skill and action throughout the day. 
And this is why the initiate is always in a state of spiritual tension. The etheric body is charged up through meditation and frequent blinks up, blink ups throughout the day. And that charge has to be held and not allowed to dissipate through distractions of consciousness. The cumulative result of this constant charging up of the etheric body is joy in the steady victory of the spirit over matter. And the transfiguration of life in terms of accomplishment. This is ceremonial magic, the beauty of rhythm and ritual. And it lies at the heart of practical discipleship. We are called upon to expand the boundaries of life's normal rhythms and to become more invocative. Ever more aware of the spiritual tension of the moment. And it's through this enlivened state of awareness that the energies of the soul and spirit are continually evoked for use and service. And this is what is required to transform everyday life into a dynamic arena of service. The process involves the joyful, uplifting power of Udana one of the five pranas that circulate round the etheric body of each human being. And when it's rightly controlled and coordinated, a disciple starts to express himself through the centers above the diaphragm and the sheer power of his livingness is transformative. Toward the end, of the human stage of involvement, the disciple is awakening to the fact that the simple goal of every incarnation is the transformation of daily life and duties through the power of livingness. Life is no longer regarded as a series of unrelated events and circumstances upon which little control can be exerted. Instead, life is understood as a pattern of forces to be adapted and redeemed in conformity to an inner or subjective mandala, a unique and immediate part of a grand design or divine plan for which we assume individual responsibility and implementation. For each of us has the opportunity to weave a part of this grand design into substance. And we could call this the ultimate creative project. For every second of every day becomes a potentially redemptive moment that the mandala's inner forces can shape. Furthermore, Recognition that others are also working with the same part of the plan extends influence and makes greater service possible through recognized contact with the energy of the group mandala. In the Discipleship of the New Age, Volume 2, 
the Tibetan gives the members of his group an inspiring meditation that sums up the spirit of this enterprise. Standing in the center of the heart, see the energy of your group brothers as the radiating spokes of a great wheel of light. This wheel has 24 spokes, and at the center of the wheel, like the hub of the wheel, can be found your master, DK. Then slowly, with love, mention aloud the names of each of your group brothers, not omitting yourself. And then see this wheel as actively moving and scintillating, and thus serving humanity through its focused radiation. This radiation is the radiation of love. All the above is purely symbolic, but carried out as a visualization process for some months, consistently and consciously, it will create a state of mind and of awareness which will be enduring. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. So let's take a moment now to dwell upon this image and then say together the affirmation of the disciple. I'll be sounding the sacred worthy Om silently afterwards, as well as at the end of the meditation. And you're welcome to do the same or to say it out aloud. I am a point of light within a greater light. I am a strand of loving energy within the stream of love divine. I am a point of sacrificial fire focused within the fiery will of God, and thus I stand. I am a way by which men may achieve. I am a source of strength enabling them to stand. I am a beam of light shining upon their way, and thus I stand. And standing thus revolve, and tread this way, the ways of men, and know the ways of God, and thus I stand.
considering a group of spiritual servers such as ourselves working together as a mandala is no is by no means stretching the imagination too far. Mandala is a Sanskrit word meaning circle. The mandala represents wholeness and can be seen as a model for the organizational structure of life itself, cosmic design that reminds us of our relation to the infinite, the world that extends both beyond and within our bodies and minds. The mandala has been described in both material and non-material realities as appearing in all aspects of life. The celestial circles we call earth, sun and moon, as well as conceptual circles of friends, family and community. The circle with a center pattern is the basic structure of creation and found throughout nature. Living things are made of cells and each cell has a nucleus all display circles with centers. The crystals that form ice, rocks and mountains are made of atoms and each atom is a mandala. Within the Milky Way galaxy is our solar system and within our solar system is Earth. Each is a mandala that is part of a larger mandala, flowers, the rings around found in tree trunks and the spiraling outward and inward of a snail shell all reflect the primal mandala pattern. So there is potential in the mandala to help integrate the personality and promote a sense of wholeness. And this was perceived by Carl Jung who used the mandala for his own personal growth. Jung believed that a mandala symbolizes a safe refuge of inner reconciliation and wholeness. It is a synthesis, he said, of distinctive elements in a unified scheme, representing the basic nature of existence. Elsewhere, he said, I had to abandon the idea of this superordinate position of the ego personality. I saw that everything, or paths I had been following, or steps I had taken, were leading back to a single point, namely to the midpoint. And it became increasingly plain to me that the mandala is the center. It is the exponent of all paths. It is the path to the center, to individuation. In his own way, Jung understood the nature of consciousness as the midway point between the opposites of energy and substance. And indeed said, quote, there is no consciousness without discrimination of opposites, and nothing can exist without its opposite. 
that's also interesting to consider a more esoteric interpretation, such as the description of the mandala given by Lonchenpa, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, as, quote, an, integ an integrated structure organized around a unifying center. An integrated structure organized around a unifying center. At the most fundamental level, we have kilkor, the Tibetan word for mandala, meaning the center of the universe in which a fully awakened being abides. And this is much in line with the Age's Wisdom teachings, where the circle with the point at the center denotes the manifested universe that issued forth from the unknown. Involution of spirit into matter sees the fragmentation of the whole taking place through diversification as lines of force. In reality, great beings stream forth in an act of sacred geometry to form the basic organizational structure for life to manifest through. So relating this to esoteric service, we know that the result of energy impacting substance is light. The great indicator of the presence of consciousness and it is with light that an esoteric group works. The group itself is a radiant light-filled mandala, a vibrant center within the scheme of things, distributing the light of consciousness outward to other units of consciousness. The group is filled with the light of hierarchy and radiates it out into human consciousness the central point being the master or the Christ. <clears throat> and each member who forms part of the wheel of fiery light brings his or her own sacred geometry, the sum total of his or her centers of force into the group. The rotating centers substand the human body and are made of myriad lines of crisscrossing patterns of force. <clears throat> These patterns are slowly refined and geometrized into sacred spheres of fire through which the soul can perfectly express itself. The group itself attracts diverse streams of energy, which cascade down and through it according to the plan and hierarchical intention. <clears throat> And this is sacred geometry, the sum total of the consciousness of the group determines the right, <clears throat> sorry, determines the ring pass knot, the boundary of its influence. Diverse qualities of energy are constantly passing through a spiritual group, which each member tunes into at different levels according to their capacity. And in this way, the group forms part of the subjective work for the new group of world servers. And while objective service in daily life is important, to the esotericist who is becoming a 
powerful and influential group worker. Subjective work is even more so, and the thought life of all members of a spiritual group is paramount. And the Tibetan made this clear to one of his disciples as follows. Disciples in my ashram have a dual responsibility to stand steady in the preservation of realization, if I may use such a phrase. The steadiness must not be relaxed in any way as old age draws near, and it must not be permitted to disappear through the transition of death itself. It is through the unbroken, conscious thinking of a welded group of disciples that an ashram, the master of an ashram, works. And it's not so much the active outer service of a group of triangles, of disciples, which is of major importance, though it has necessarily a vital purpose, as the coherent, integrated group thought which is so potent in affecting changes in the human consciousness. So this integrated pattern of group thinking is a lighted mandala through which the master and the hierarchy can work. It may not be discernible to the inner eye of those comprising it, but it can readily be sensed as a vibrant energy pattern and an inner link which can be kept vitalized. It is then as if we have a direct link to a reservoir of lighted substance that can be invoked at will and adapted to suit a particular need. As earlier stated, everything is a mandala, part of a greater mandala, and through constant flowing into action, the divine pattern is shifting, upgrading, redeeming in kaleidoscopic fashion. The wheel of rebirth is a mandala, as is the zodiac itself around which incarnation travels. The zodiac being comprised of the interlocking forces of all the 12 constellations as they pour into and through all the kingdoms of nature, carrying with them not only their own individual potencies, but also those of the seven rays, focused through the sacred and non-sacred planets, the discovered and undiscovered planetary lives, and it's been said that a vision of these powers and their many interweaving lines seen as rivers and streams of light is given to the initiate from the mountain top of Capricorn once that summit has been reached. It is at this transfiguration initiation that the vision appears before the eyes of the, dis of the astounded disciple. So the task then is to bring this vision back down from the mountain top of initiation 
to vivify the group mandala with which the disciple is associated and to adjust in turn the pattern and potency of the vision to one that can be usefully beheld before the eyes of the world. The initiated disciple now works through the center of the group mandala, the pressure of his inspiration moving out through the wheel of fiery light. And while enhancing the radiatory power of the group, this stimulation also helps each group member to relinquish any aspects that hinder his or her progress. Symbolically, each group member stands with hands open and arms outstretched, all that weighs down consciousness to the earth being released as the energy of the plan pours through him. And this is eloquently portrayed for us in the prelude of our full moon meditation form or outline in the words. He faces towards the dark and then the seven points of light within himself transmit the outward streaming light and lo, the face of those upon the darkened way receives that light. For them the way is not so dark. Behind the warriors, twixt the light and dark, blazes the light of hierarchy. And so we see how, by our soul work, we are integrating ourselves into a pattern of forces, into a mandala that simultaneously assists progress towards the goal that our soul has set for this incarnation. And interestingly, some esoteric teachings hint that the end-of-life review, which occurs after death, is itself a geometrical process. The life has just ended. The life just ended is seen in a moment of time and space as a geometrical shape over which the soul's intended life plan is superimposed. The successes and failures of the past are seen graphically in terms of harmony and dissonance between the two. That which is being attained in accordance with the soul's plan is absorbed into the causal sheath of the soul as rarefied atomic fire. The beauty of its light translating into faculty in a way that's difficult for the human mind to grasp. But what we can visualize though, is the soul itself becoming an ever more fiery sphere of light within the group sphere to which it belongs. And this in turn forms part of a center of force within the subtle sheath of the planetary logos. Wheels within wheels and mandalas within mandalas all are spiraling towards that distant time when the wheel of the heavens is revealed as one grand and majestic mandala held in motion by the mind of God. And the joy of dynamic group work can be realized here and now when considering, when considered in the light of the mandala. In fact, the website, the Mandala Project, has picked up on this quite literally. It aims to provide a visual demonstration of individuals coming together 
to create something larger than themselves while maintaining their personal uniqueness. They exalt common denominators to build a foundation for peace, seeing truth, beauty and goodness as values that can be agreed upon in every culture and which can be experienced through art and education. The project seeks to honour what all people have in common while respecting differences, recognising that this increases the capacity for peace. The better we understand our neighbours, they say, the easier it is to care for them. This is a fine summary of the mandala's potential that can be equally applied to all esoteric groups, NGOs and organisations of all kinds working for human and planetary betterment. For wherever a centre is found radiating outward and inward, there is wholeness, a mandala. So, as a group tonight, let us now align and integrate ourselves as one and radiate the energy of Capricorn throughout human consciousness. In line with the keynote, lost am I in light supernal, yet on that light I turn my back. Meditation, letting in the light. Confusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the new group of world servers mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards a spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanakamara, and towards the Christ 
at the heart of hierarchy. Extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. Higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy and humanity gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
reflect on the seed thought for Capricorn. Lost am I in light supernal, yet on that light I turn my back.
precipitation. Using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on Earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. We use the sixfold progression of divine love as a sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, physical centers of distribution. Now interlude, refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. Together sound the affirmation. In the center of all love I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. 
consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ. distribution as the great invocation has sounded we visualize the outpouring of light love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets London, Darjeeling, New York Geneva, Tokyo irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth 
into the hearts of men, may Christ return to earth. From the centre, where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the centre, which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. We sound the sacred word silently three times. Thank you all for joining this special meditation service today. Our first meeting in the new year is the new moon in Capricorn on Zoom at 6.30 p.m. 8th January 2024 and the full moon in Capricorn this year, in sorry, in Aquarius this year, is on Thursday the 25th of January in the Lucis Trust Library at 6.30pm, as well as um, there is also a, a simultaneous Zoom broadcast. So we wish you all a joyful and meaningful year ahead until we meet again. Thank you. Thank you all. <laughs>